Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. I want to begin by saying thank you to everyone who prayed uh, for our children, teenagers, and adults who were away from us at three different camps over the past couple of weeks. Let me also say thank you especially to those adults who took time off from work and spent time away from their family to love, encourage, and to stay with the children and teenagers at those camps. We know that uh, three of our teenagers uh, placed their faith and trust in Jesus at camp, and three of our children placed their faith and trust in Jesus at camp this past week. So let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. We have many others who renewed their faith in Jesus and their commitment to live for Jesus throughout these camps. God is at work in our church in amazing ways. We get the joy to watch God work and to join God in his work. We join God in his work as we give, grow, and go. We give our time, talents, and treasures to God We grow in our faith in God through our time with God and one another. And we go for God by faith in God in obedience to God so that we can do the works that he has called us to do in his strength for his glory. We miss out on God's work in us and through us when we fail to give, grow, and go. And I don't want to miss out on God's work, and I am sure you agree with me, and you don't want to miss out on God's work. And so let's continue giving, growing, and going faithfully, generously, and obediently as we continue making our way through these last weeks of summer, looking ahead to the fall and all that God has for us. Let me ask you to open your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 is where we're going to park this morning. Paul ended chapter 2 on a high note. Paul shared God's truth about these three stages of grace or the three tenses of salvation, whichever you choose uh, to view this passage uh, through that lens. He shared God's truth with us. Uh, about this in this passage. As one Bible scholar said about this passage, uh, salvation points to our spiritual birth. In verse 11, Paul wrote, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. We are saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification points to our spiritual growth. Paul wrote in verse 12, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way In the present age, we are saved from the power of sin. And then glorification points to our spiritual perfection. Paul wrote in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will be saved from the presence of sin. Glorification is God's work of grace in us by which He will give us our new body in Jesus and bring us home to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus. Our blessed hope is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Paul, as we shared last Sunday, reaffirmed the deity of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God the Son, the Son of God. As followers of Jesus, we have the blessed assurance, confidence, and hope in the return of Jesus. Now, quick point of clarity Most Bible scholars agree the return of Jesus will happen in two stages. Stage number one is the rapture. This is the point in time when Jesus will return in the sky for us. His bride, his followers, the church, to take us to be with him in glory. The second stage is the second coming of Christ. This is a stage where Jesus will return with us to earth to defeat his enemies, to bring an end to the great tribulation, and to begin the thousand-year millennial kingdom reign of Jesus on earth. Whether you believe the rapture is pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, or whether you choose not to believe in the rapture at all and you're focused solely in on the second coming of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we win in Christ Jesus. As Paul told us, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The return of Jesus for us in the future helps us to live for Jesus and to persevere in our faith in Jesus, to trust in Jesus today. And so we see this great hope, this blessed hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. And now Paul continued in verse 14. And he continued to talk about our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his possession, eager to do good works. Paul continued his discussion in this passage of the hero of this passage, who is also the hero of every passage of Scripture, and that is King Jesus. Paul turned his focus from the future, the return of Jesus in the previous passage, to the past, the saving work of Jesus. It's the saving work of Jesus in our past that opened the door for the sanctifying work of Jesus in our present, which will ultimately lead to the glorifying work of Jesus as we spend eternity with him one day in glory. And so Paul shared with us in verse 14, he gave himself. What Paul is saying here is that Jesus gave himself lovingly, obediently, voluntarily and willingly. What Paul is saying, when he said he gave himself, no one took the life of Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for us. Jesus gave the greatest gift he could possibly give. He gave himself. He gave himself as a gift of grace. We don't deserve this gift. We can't earn this gift. We receive this gift from God in Christ Jesus by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. As Paul said, for by grace are you saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not from works so that no one can boast. 
So Jesus gave himself as a gift of grace. But Jesus also gave himself as a gift of love. As Paul said, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Jesus gave himself as a gift of grace and love. He gave himself for us. Now here it gets personal. Jesus gave himself for us means Jesus is our substitute on the cross. It means Jesus took our place and paid our price for sin on the cross. For us means Jesus took my place on the cross and he paid for my sins. Jesus took your place on the cross and he paid for your sins. Jesus gave himself for us. There is great truth in that simple statement. Jesus gave himself for us. What a blessing. Jesus gave himself for us. What a gift. Jesus gave himself for us. What a sacrifice. Jesus gave himself for us. What a savior. What a savior is King Jesus. He said he gave himself for us and then he shared reasons why. Let's look at four reasons why Jesus gave himself for us. Reason number one, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. To redeem us. Redeem means to free. It means to liberate. It means to release, to set a captive free by paying a ransom. Now, if you remember, a few weeks ago, we shared, as we were making our way through chapter 2, that Paul has already shared with Titus and with us that slavery was a part of the Roman Empire in Paul's day and in Titus's day. It's different than the slavery we're most familiar with, uh, certainly. It was a part of society in Paul's day. And if a person wanted to free someone who was a slave, if they wanted to free a family member or a friend, they could do so by paying the ransom price for that friend or family member who was a slave. They would simply pay the ransom price to the owner for that slave, they would buy and purchase the slave out of slavery, and then after paying that ransom price, they would then set that person free, and they would be free indeed. So Paul brings this over to us in our lives, and what he reminds us of is this simple truth. We were once slaves to sin. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. Jesus freed us from our bondage to sin. Jesus paid our ransom price for our sin. Jesus purchased our freedom with his blood. Jesus shed his blood for you and me on the cross of Calvary. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. He sacrificed his life for you and for me. Jesus gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness. Lawlessness means sin, selfishness, wickedness. Lawlessness means living as if there is no God. Lawlessness is living in rebellion against God and in opposition to God. As John told us in 1 John 3 and verse 4, everyone who commits sin, practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Praise God, Jesus freed us from our sin. Praise God, Jesus redeemed us. Amen. 
Praise God, he redeemed us. Sin and selfishness no longer has control of us. We are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness in Christ Jesus. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Our old life of sin and self is gone, and our new life in the Savior has come. We are victors. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We have the victory in King Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. This is good news for us. Today, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us because there was no other way that we could ever get out of our bondage to sin other than the Savior coming to pay our ransom. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He redeemed us. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so we know that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. Second, Jesus gave himself for us to cleanse us. He said to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself. Cleanse means to make clean. It means to purify, to purge. Cleanse is in the aorist tense. This verb is in the aorist tense, which means it's a situation, a reality that happened in the past that has continuing effects for us into the present. Jesus cleansed us of our sins, past, present, and future, when he saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus cleanses us of our daily sins as we confess them to him, as he continues his sanctifying work in us day by day. As John said in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us of all sin. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus cleanses us. He purifies us of our sin, shame, and guilt with his blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. This is amazing news for you and for me. It just keeps getting better and better as we make our way through verse verse 14. It reminds me of the words to the old hymn. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No! No! No other fount, I know, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us, to cleanse us. He third gave himself to possess us. He said, and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. Jesus gave himself to make us his own people. We were bought by Jesus with the blood of Jesus. We are the prized possession of Jesus. As Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Say that with me. 
Christ lives in me. Again, Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Peter said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you are not a people, now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. You see, once we were spiritually dead, now we are spiritually spiritually alive. Once we were slaves to sin, now we are slaves to the Savior. Once we were not a people, now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, now we have received mercy. Once we were hopeless, now we were we are hopeful. Once we were bound for hell, now we are bound for heaven. We were bought by Jesus and we belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Say, I belong to Jesus. Again. Again. We are a people for his own possession. I don't know about you, but this is some amazing truth that Paul is downloading to us here in this verse. Jesus gave himself... The best he could give, he gave us his very life to redeem us, to pay the ransom price for us, to free us from our sin. He then gave himself to to cleanse us. It was his blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary that would provide us with forgiveness of sin because without without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And then he gave himself for us to make us his own people. That's awesome. We are his people. You and I belong to Jesus. And then fourth, Jesus gave himself for us to motivate us. He said to cleanse a people, to cleanse for himself, a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Eager means zealous. It means enthusiastic. It means passionate. It means to have a strong desire for. Jesus gave himself for us to motivate us to do good works. We are forgiven by Jesus. We are free in Jesus. And we of all people should be fired up to do good works for Jesus. We should be fired up. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And the redemption of Jesus for us should motivate us to give to Jesus, grow in Jesus, and go for Jesus. Day after day after day. The redemption, our redemption by King Jesus. The fact that he gave himself for us. He gave us the model that we're to follow. And as we dwell on the reality that he gave himself for us, it should motivate us to give ourselves to him. And the question is, do we always feel eager to do good work? Do we always feel enthusiastic to serve others? Do we always feel passionate about giving ourselves away to our brothers and sisters in Christ, much less to those in the world around us? Do we always get fired up to be Jesus to those who may not return that courtesy of being Jesus to us? The answer to that question is no. No, we don't. That's why we need God's grace. We need God's grace today, every day, in every way. Our grace is not enough. 
Our desires are not enough. Our abilities are not enough. Our strength is not enough. Our patience is not enough. But God's grace is more than enough for you and for me. God's grace gives us the desire, the humility, the love, the mercy, the patience, and the strength to do the good works that God has prepared for us to do. And so we glorify God. We praise God as we do those good works for God. Eagerly do those good works for God. We point people to Jesus as we eagerly do those good works for Jesus in his strength for his glory. Jesus gave himself for us. And this is some of the greatest news we could ever ever dream of reading, hearing, and understanding, and applying in our lives. He gave himself for us to redeem us, and to cleanse us, and to possess us, and then to motivate us. And he possesses us so that we can do those good works, so that we can be eager in his strength for his glory. You see, what Paul shared with Titus years ago is true for you and me today. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us, to free us from our sin so that we could be his own people, so that we could be members of his forever family. This is the amazing, incredible, outrageous news of the gospel. This is the outrageous gospel declaration to you and to me that we who were dead in our sins, that we who have turned away from God in sin against God, that we who have said, thought, done, and desired things against God and unpleasing to God, that we who were separated from God because of our sin against God, that we who had no way to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own, that we who were bound for an eternity in hell, we have the opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins and to enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus and his finished work for us on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. Jesus gave himself for us so we can now be eager and we should be eager to give ourselves to him today, every day, in every way. You see what Paul's sharing here as he finishes chapter 2 and he's going to transition us perfectly into chapter 3 is simply this. The difference Jesus makes in us is designed and meant to be seen through us. The problem is this. Far too often, we get in the way. Instead of walking by the Spirit, we walk by the flesh. Instead of living God's way, we live our way. Instead of loving God's way, we love our way. Instead of responding God's way, we respond our way. Instead of communicating God's way, we communicate our way. You see, we begin to give way to the flesh. That sin begins to crop up in our lives as we walk by the flesh instead of the spirit. And here's the problem with that. Sin blinds us. Sin blinds us, most importantly, to us. Sin always blinds us to us. And sin will cause us to diminish, to dismiss our part so that we can highlight and promote others' part, others' faults, others' failures. Sin is devastating 
because sin is blinding. It blinds us to us. Thankfully, what Paul has been sharing with us in this amazing verse 14 is this. God convicts us when we sin. Thankfully, God forgives us as we confess our sins to him. Thankfully, God restores us so that we can continue being eager to do the good works he has prepared for us to do. God's conviction, God's forgiveness, and God's restoration are gifts of his grace to us in Jesus. It's that rescuing, delivering, saving, freeing grace of God that is ours in Jesus. And so our application this morning is real simple. It's this, keep our eyes on the cross. As we look at this verse, we know that we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his possession, eager to do good works. What is your task? What is my task? What is our application from this morning? Keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on the cross. As I keep my eyes on the cross, as you keep your eyes on the cross, we are able to humbly and eagerly follow Jesus by faith. And as we keep our eyes on the cross, the difference that Christ makes in us is seen through us. As we walk by the Spirit and not the flesh. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. And to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. Eager to do good works. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper this morning. The Lord's Supper is a sacred time of worship, whereby we as followers of Jesus Christ have the opportunity to take time to reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus, to reflect on the cross, to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. And as well, we take time to renew our commitment to Jesus, to renew our commitment to live for Jesus, to renew our commitment to love like Jesus. The scriptures teach us, God has shared with us a warning that we are to be careful and not to receive the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Receiving the Lord's Supper this morning in an unworthy manner includes receiving the Lord's Supper without properly taking time first to reflect on the cross, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus for you and for me. It's personal to each one of us as followers of Jesus. To reflect on that sacrifice, to renew our commitment to Jesus, to live and love his way. 
Receiving the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner also includes receiving the Lord's Supper with unconfessed sin in our lives, with sin against God that we're harboring in our lives, or, or maybe it's sin against others, brothers and sisters in Christ, or those that we know outside of this church family, out in our mission fields, in our congregations. And so it's important for us as Paul said, to examine ourselves in these moments, to, to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, to make sure there's no anger, no bitterness, no resentment, no conflict, no frustration, no unforgiveness that we are harboring in our hearts that would separate that fellowship or break that fellowship, that sweet fellowship with God or with those around us. Receiving the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner also includes receiving the Lord's Supper without a relationship with God by his grace through our faith in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to bow in prayer at this, at this time. And uh, I want to just take some time to spend with the Lord. Uh, our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. And uh, if you have a need, care, concern that you want uh, someone to pray with you, to pray for you, they'll be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. This is our time as followers of Jesus Christ to take this moment and to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. You may want to kneel right there where you're seated. You may want to come to the altar and kneel, as so many do each week. Let me encourage you, my brother and my sister, to take this opportunity just to get one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. I also want to give you an opportunity this morning. If your testimony this morning is that, Mark, I, I don't have a relationship with God. I've never received God's gift of salvation by my faith in Jesus. But I want to do so today, then you've heard the gospel that's been presented. Jesus took your place on the cross and he paid your price for sin. The good news of the gospel is we can receive forgiveness of sins and we can enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. Jesus has done the work for us. He took our place on the cross. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he sin, never sinned. And he died on the cross in our place. He paid the price for our sins. He was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and me. He's alive today. And the only way we can have a relationship with God is through faith in the Son of God, Jesus. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So you can receive this gift of salvation this morning by just simply right there in your own heart and mind, crying out to the Lord. He knows your heart. He will save you. Your prayer won't save you, but as you cry out to the Lord, He will save you because He knows your heart. And He asks us to confess our sins to Him, to admit that we're sinners in need of a Savior. He asks us to believe in Jesus, that He is who He said He was, as he ministered here on earth, that he died on the cross in your place, that he was buried in the tomb, and he rose again on the third day, and he's alive today. As you admit your sin, as you believe in the Savior Jesus, then he just asks you to confess your sin to him, to repent of living your way and to begin to live his way. Confess your sins to the Lord and just ask Jesus to come in to your life and to take over, and he will do just that. Today, this morning, could be the very first time you receive the Lord's Supper 
as a follower of Jesus Christ. By placing your faith and trust in Jesus. If that's you, then I want to invite you to to pray that prayer right there where you're seated. Cry out to the Lord. Receive his gift of salvation. Place your faith in Jesus. Take these moments now to spend reflecting on the sacrifice of Jesus and just... A few moments, we will receive the Lord's Supper. As the men come forward now to serve the Lord's Supper, they're going to take the bread and the juice and they're going to spread out into four different positions here in the worship center. In just a moment, I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then I'm going to say a prayer. After I say this prayer, then I want to invite you, if you're done spending time with the Lord and reflecting on his sacrifice and you're ready to receive the Lord's Supper, then I would ask after I say this prayer that you would stand up and you would make your way to the closest set of men to you and receive the Lord's Supper there, the bread wafer and then the juice. You may want to take the elements here to the front, to the altar, to kneel as families, as, as brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, maybe as life teams. You may want to take it together and you can do so as so often happens to spread across here and just receive the Lord's Supper together. The bread wafer first, then the juice. Or you may want to take it back to your seat and receive it there as husband and wife, as family. The bread is a symbol, the body Jesus gave for us on the cross. He sacrificed himself for us. The juice is a symbol of the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross to provide us with forgiveness of sins. Let me remind you, if you're still on your journey to a relationship with God through faith in Jesus and you've not yet received his gift of salvation, but you're you're learning and you're, you're getting closer and you're on your journey, that I would encourage you based on the truth of God's word and the authority of this word to refrain from receiving the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments and instead just stay right there where you're seated and continue to pray and seek God. Ask God to continue to, to speak to you about the gift of love and life that he has provided for you and his son, your savior, Jesus.
If you are unable physically to get up and to make your way to where these men are standing, then we just ask that you would simply raise your hand in a few moments when you're ready to receive the Lord's Supper and we will uh, serve you right there where you are seated so that you can uh, participate in this sacred time of worship. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for I received from the Lord what I pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we've been learning, Jesus is coming back for us, amen? And it's our joy and privilege to worship him in this way this morning. Father God, we stop right now and we say thanks. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your salvation of us in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you that you have saved us by your grace through our response of faith in Jesus. God, we thank you. and We remember the sacrifice of Jesus. He gave himself for us, each one of us. He shed his blood for us, each one of us. He died in our place, a cruel, humiliating, painful death. And he was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again, victorious over sin and death for us. And so, Father, we now worship you as we receive the Lord's Supper, God, as we take the bread. We understand it's a symbol of the body that Jesus gave for us. As we drink the juice, we understand it's a symbol of the blood Jesus shed for us. Father, may we find the motivation by your power work in us to give ourselves to you, Father, today, every day, in every way as our response, as our joy, as our privilege as recipients of the greatest gift ever given, the gift of love and life in Jesus. Father, we worship you now. We pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship the Lord.